Welcome, Dr. Grek. Thank you for joining us. And congratulations again on the success of your book. Thanks for the invite. Glad to be here. So there were some many helpful tips on how we can take care of our minds in the book. Can you share with us uh, some of the tips that you find most useful? Yes, um, as, as you in fact uh, discussed during the introduction, um, Nika, it is a time of anxiety, it is a time of loneliness. And if there was ever a time when we should take care of our mental health, it is definitely right now. How can you take care of your mental health? It does not have to be a pandemic for us to realize that we have to take care of mental health. In fact, the coping techniques that are mentioned in the book are techniques that can be applied to everyday life pandemic or not. One of the things, one of the coping strategies that come to life is being positive. And I think that it is really important during these times. These are times that can be often overcome with gloom, perhaps with doom and with anxiety and fear. But as always happens, there is also the positive side of things. So, okay, we are in the middle of a pandemic. There are people dying. There are people who become sick. But there are also good things happening. For instance, there is that which I called caremongering. Um, not I called it, actually. It is a term that is used quite often nowadays in the literature. And it is the spreading of generous ideas, of generous activities um, across society. So that's something that's really good, which, which, which became visible during the pandemic. There are other things that, that you can do then. For instance, remain grounded whenever you are experiencing that anxiety. Obviously easier said than, <laughs> than done. But yes, what often happens during these times of anxiety is that one thought leads to another. And before you know it, it all escalates and the anxiety becomes really, really huge. And so one thing that, that I mentioned is focusing on what is happening, trying to, to remain realistic, um, trying to focus on the facts rather than on hypothesis and on thinking and on wondering about the future. And I think that's an extremely important tip as well. Another good thing that came out of this pandemic is the, the awareness about mental health. Mental health has suddenly become one of the priorities on everyone's agenda because now we are all experiencing. Now it's, it's not something that the very few experience regarding mental illness or let's say mental states that are perhaps not so, not so healthy. Now everyone suddenly is in danger of becoming mentally unwell. So it's definitely something good that has emerged out of the pandemic as well as the care, care mongering. And now this has been really Researched. Whenever there is a crisis, communities tend to become closer. People within society tend to look out for each other, tend to turn to their loved ones and tend to bond more. And one of the results of that is actually the scaremongering. So wait, if I understand you correctly, so if you're already close with a certain group of people, like you're more likely to close and shorten the, the connection, make it more intimate. But at the same time, I've, I've also seen people being a bit more... Um, they shun outsiders, people who aren't part of their social circles, they're less likely to integrate with them. So is it like the flip side of the coin? Yes, in fact, those people who you are close to, you tend to become closer to them. But something that also happens is that you tend to develop, for instance, a nationalistic instinct. Mm -hmm. we've patriotism. Seen the, uh, patriotism. We've, we've seen the flags, we've seen the, the billboards thanking health carers and, and, and so on. But yes, obviously, if, if you think that a certain group in society are a threat to your well-being, then there is anxiety tends to exacerbate that. Mm -hmm. And so you simply shun them, as you said, and stick to those that you, you feel familiar to. 
to. I think it's one way of coping. I think it's one way of, of, uh, of feeling this togetherness so as to be able to defeat the, the virus. In fact, it's been uh, suggested, um, especially seeing that we cannot be physically together anymore. We cannot touch, we cannot be near each other. So it has been obviously suggested to use social media and any other means that is not a physical means to connect to each other. Why? Obviously because of the threat of loneliness. Loneliness has and is still already a big issue in our country and now suddenly having a virus which is not allowing us to, to meet anymore and to be in touch physically anymore, it can make the loneliness problem even worse. And so, yes, it has been suggested to get together through other means. Obviously, that has had its advantages as we will probably discuss. Um, but but still, it is really needed for us to still be, be close to each other in whatever means possible. I mean, you mentioned touch earlier now. Um, do you think that the fact that we've, we've been encouraged to, to socially distance and avoid physical contact, how big of a part does physical contact play in mental health? It depends on the culture. I would say that in Malta, it plays a big part. We are the people who touch each other's shoulders when we are speaking to each other, who like to pet each other on oh. the on, on the hands. It's, it's a big thing. It's us, it's the Mediterranean culture, and it's really ingrained in our society. Suddenly, we've removed all that. And yes, for for those of us who, who tend to use tactile communication quite a lot, it has definitely affected mental health. I don't, I'm not aware of any research, but obviously this has been a change that we had to undergo and whenever there is a change especially in the middle of all this anxiety yes it can certainly affect the the, the way you feel about things aside from having this awareness of mental health and in, in these times and um, mental health is not just something that you think about in matters of crisis but it should be a daily thing um, and I'm thinking okay well we really need to be mindful and maybe you could talk about what it is to be mindful yeah, mindfulness, um, as as you know, Nika, um, it's the in thing at the moment. Um, it's the thing that literally marketed all across to, to treat not any ailment, I would say, but most of, of the mental health issues. And perhaps sometimes it may be seen as something quite rigorous that you really have to learn how to do but it's, the concept is quite simple it's focusing on what we are doing right now trying not to worry so much about the past and trying not to think so much about the future again easier said than done but the thing is that our our mind is is quite a tricky one it tends to spend quite a lot of its energy thinking about things that we did in the past about mist- and probably these are negative things unfortunately oh, embarrassing things You've done yeah. In the past. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mistakes that you did, things that went wrong, that kind of thing. And you just keep the beating yourself up. criticism over the compliment. Exactly. Yes. And, and uh, well, you aren't going to change the past, uh, are you? I wish I could. <laughs> I'm not sure. But, but well, well, anyway, sometimes you, wish. <laughs> sometimes you wish you could do that, but it's not really going to happen. On the same lines, we often think about the future, about what's going to happen, whether I'm going to get sick, whether I'm going to catch the virus, what's going to happen if the schools close down and cannot go to work, how am I going to take care of the kids, that kind of thing. Again, it's, it's not something you really can control. And so something that that mindfulness um, advocates suggest is to try to focus on the, the very one thing that you are doing right now. I mean, this sounds very familiar with <clears throat> to um, what in certain philosophies they, they view as presence. So being present in the moment in Eastern philosophy or with, with stoicism, focusing on what is tangible right now. 
I I think it's something incredibly healthy if we can get into the habit of doing. But like you said, sometimes the mind just goes off in different directions where you don't want it to. Um, how can one bring one's thoughts back? Say I'm I'm obsessing over something embarrassing I did when I was like five years old or whatever. How can we just bring ourselves back? In fact, it's like the elephant in the room, right? The more you try not to think about those things, the more you end up thinking thinking about them. And uh, in a way, one thing that does not work is trying to stop all thought, thought blocking because that's not really going to, to happen. And before you know it, you end up focusing on the actual thought blocking then. Uh-huh. <laughs> one thing that has been suggested is to try to accept the thoughts. So if you are trying to focus on the thing that you are doing and several other, other thoughts keep cropping up, you try to look at the the interfering thoughts from a bystander point of view. So you sort of look at them passing, but you try not to engage in them. You know what happens if you allow yourself, you end up literally first diving headfirst into all the thoughts that come along your way. Now, what you can do is not to stop them, but to sort of observe them, accept them, but make sure that you just let them float by, not literally jumping into them, but instead just still focusing, still gathering your thoughts back onto the thing that you are trying to do at the very moment. So so you don't engage with these thoughts. Exactly. exactly. Okay. So we live in a technologically advanced society, which our um, human brain has not evolved uh, to cope with. Um, we have not adapted to the world that we've created. So we are overstimulated. We're sleeping less. And on top of that, um, being busy is bizarrely so a status symbol. So then how do you practice mindfulness given such realities? One thing that uh, has really attracted my attention from what you said, Nika, is this thing that being busy is, is now a, a status symbol. In fact, multitasking is, again, the in thing. The, the more things that you can do simultaneously, the, the do, better. In fact, nobody can do. Our brains aren't wired to multitask. Yeah. But it does take, in a way, practice because we are made to think nowadays, as you said, that doing several things at once, being so busy all the time is the healthiest option and the most productive of of but in reality it's not the most mentally healthy but perhaps i mean personally i find that when i try to multitask i end up like you know i find it easier to panic or to forget something and it goes against what we were saying about being mindful where you focus on the task you're doing at the time but what worries me slightly is seeing as now a lot of people are moving on to remote work and working from home certain certain checks and balances so for instance when you used to work at an office you had the opportunity to i don't know go to buy the water cooler and you you know you step away from your work you might i don't know step outside for a moment but now because we're working from home a lot of people have this idea where they have to stay sitting at their desk constantly and this is my opinion i feel that this might be causing more mental health issues than it's actually solving Uh, What are your thoughts Mm -hmm. on it? There is also this perhaps misconception that when you are at home working remotely, you are less productive and you, you, you tend to slack. But I don't know about yourselves, but this has not happened in my case. Oh. Working from home tends to be even more time consuming because mm-hmm. you have to prepare, because even being online all the time is, is draining. It's mentally exhausting. It's overwhelming at times. And so, yes, I think we, we need to set up some boundaries. We need, we need to set times when we literally switch off, switch off everything, switch off all technology, smartwatches, mobile mm-hmm. phones, 
um, desktops. And I think this is more important than ever. Mm-hmm. Before we used to say, not before, even now, we used to say that being in green areas, being in touch with nature is something that really helps a lot with mental health. I think that now, even more than ever, we need to touch with that and take breaks, breaks away from all technology and all of it, all of these things. I mean, definitely, 100%. I mean, even the fact that, you know, whereas in the office we'd say, okay, it's five o'clock, I'm going to go home. Here, it's five o'clock and you're still home. I mean, you might say, oh, I'll continue working and people end up working for longer hours, perhaps. Indeed. And what's a shame about Malta is that we don't have a lot of these green spaces where we can go and take these breaks. But what some of what you said has made me wonder if we can start pushing for policy that actually requires institutions to provide mindfulness training and workshops um, and to create spaces where you can um, meditate and just take a break. And also perhaps even encouraging people to go for walks um, without any devices. I think in France they're doing something along these lines where they're saying it's illegal for your employer to contact you outside of working hours. Ah, Even during these times, right? Especially during these Mm. times. More than ever. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you about a couple of other things that you talked about in your book. You you mentioned that creativity is extremely important. So maybe you can elaborate on why that is. Yes, Nika. In fact, I think creativity is one one uh, um, example of practicing mindfulness. Because when you when you are creative, you tend to get into what is called get, getting in the flow. You tend to lose track of time. Let's say you are doing you you are painting if that's your that's your creative thing or writing, for instance. And when you start writing and when you really get into the article, when you are really into that creative process thinking, you tend to lose track not only of the time, but of everything that is going on around you. And that is a type of mindfulness. You are focusing just on what you are doing right now. Right. Um, And it's very important nowadays. So especially keeping in mind all that we have been saying, the the, the need to take breaks, the need to focus on our mental health, the needs to find new ways of connecting, of relaxing. I think that making time for yourself to be creative during the day is especially important. Now, creativity is not rocket science. I mean, each one of us have their own ways of being creative and it does not you do not have to end up with a work of art right? Mm -hmm. Not all of us can be Picasso. But the most important thing is the process. You are doing something that you are really enjoying, that you feel that you are giving your all to. That's being creative in itself. And it's very, it's it's very beneficial for mental health. It's interesting that you say uh, we can all be creative. It's not difficult to do. But research shows that creativity slowly removed from us um, through the formal education system. So we actually do lose that skill over time. So then how does one get into a flow if they haven't made space or time for themselves to be creative outside of that educational system? Nika, that's quite interesting because creativity is linked with being playful. And if we look at young kids playing, they are being so creative. They can literally create figures in their mind out of two socks, for instance, or or, or out of two pieces of, of, of rock. So so I think one way of being creative is to get in, ch- in, in touch with your inner child, as perhaps as floaty as that can sound. But it's, it's something that is quite natural. Simply put, it is that thing that you feel okay with doing, that you feel 
happy with doing that you feel is meaningful to you. And that probably is how you can be creative. Um, so if, if drawing, if writing, if um, creating a skirt gives me that kind of feeling, then probably that's how I can be creative. And it differs from one person to another. Creativity is not something that you can um, impose upon a person. They have to find their own creative yeah. thing, I believe. I like what you're saying, that we need to give ourselves a chance to sort of explore um, how we can get back to that state of play. So even if we've lost it a bit, if I understand correctly, you believe that we can get it back just by giving ourselves that time and space to, to figure out what it is that um, we want to play around with. Yeah, and it connects with what you said earlier, Nika. We have to find time for it. We have to yeah. find time in our busy lifetime to, 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 to be creative and space to think about it and reflect on it. Um, regarding this, this idea of creativity, um, speak, and I was fascinated by what Nika said, that you know, over the educational system, children are more likely to lose their sense of creativity. But to, to jump to, to something else, do you think that one of the reasons why we enjoy creativity is because it gives us a sense of control? Yes, yes, I, I totally agree with that because it is something, it is your space, your niche. It is something that you can control from A to Z or almost. And especially during this time where so many things are out of our control, then it's important, it's important, it's highlighted even more, mm -hmm. right? Because it's something that you can be yourself, that you can take care of, and it's yours. Nothing is going to affect it, hopefully. Nothing uh -huh. will be affecting it. But, but yes, it does give you an element of control, I think. Earlier we had mentioned, uh, you know, you, you realize that you're thinking about trying to block certain thoughts. Does this tie into metacognition by any chance? Or am I missing something completely? It is. It is related to it, but not totally. Obviously, there are many areas of thinking about how you can how you can approach mindfulness. Um, another part of it, though, is perhaps I dare say more philosophical, kind of accepting things as they are happening, accepting who you are, accepting your current place in in this universe of ours. I am where I am right now. That's why it has these philosophical um, angles as well. I mean, exactly. I, I couldn't agree more. I think the most important thing is that we focus on the things that we have control and we dictate our own purpose in the universe. We decide what, you know, our goal in life is going to be. Nika, uh, is there something you'd like to add? Sure. <clears throat> Another thing you spoke about in your book is reflection as a tool to deal with stress. Why is it important to reflect? And how do you separate reflection from thought spirals or catastrophic thinking? Okay, well, reflection is important because it allows change to happen. If we repeat the same thing over and over again, then change is never going to happen because we're not really realizing that perhaps something needs to be changed, right? What is stress? Stress is when, well, the things that you are facing are too much for you. Not all of us realize that we are stressed. We may feel stress. We may feel the physical symptoms of stress. But reflecting on it may actually allow you to realize what is the main source of stress. What is the problem? Is it the source of stress or is it the way that you are dealing with it? Probably both. 
on the other hand, reflection tends to be a structured process. So it's not rocket science again. But reflect, reflecting is asking, basically, it's, it, it, it boils down to asking, thinking about what happened, thinking about how re- you reacted to it and thinking about what could have gone better and what we can do in the future to make it go better if the, if the same picture tends, if the same scenario tends to repeat itself. So it's not in a way haphazard thinking all over the place and worrying and worrying and that is just it. But it's something that is more rigorous, more structured because you are focused on improving things rather than going around that spiral of over worrying. Your focus is on how can I do things better next time and not simply not having any goal, but just worrying helplessly. Um, if I may ask, uh, what support mechanisms are available for people who are struggling or having a difficult day? Well, you know what what happens, David, when you think that you are having a bad day, bad things just keep, keep happening worse. somehow. <laughs> <laughs> this having a bad day thing is kind of programmed into us. So we tend to say, I'm having a bad day. And yes, then it really continues getting, uh, becoming um, worse. So I think one thing that can help is to to stop, to stop and say, listen, some bad things have happened, but it's not all necessarily so bad. Again, focus on the positive side of, of things. But again, some practical things that you can do when you, when you are having a bad day is to keep it as simple as you can. So it's a day that is packed with appointments. I think I would try to to, to postpone some, some of them if I'm, ha- if I'm feeling so stressed and having this particular bad day. I think I would try to introduce into my day some things that I enjoy doing. If I love shopping, I would go shopping on that day. I think I would I would introduce some exercise, for instance. Exercise is very important for the mood, not just not just for our physical bodies. Um, this is no novelty, but exercise is, is really great for mental health. It can literally have the effect of, of having sex or eating chocolate. And so um, doing at least a little bit of exercise every day really helps to keep you mentally healthy. That's fascinating. I, I had no idea that exercise could be so like on par with eating chocolate or having sex. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's that's wonderful. Um, do you have any final comments, Nika? Uh, there's actually a, a, a couple of questions I would love to ask. Um, so our behaviors are largely dictated by our hormones. And some neuroscientists would even argue that we don't have any free will. To what extent do you agree or disagree with this? I don't agree that we don't have any free will. I believe that we do have, have some some free will. Um, Excellent. We're all, we're all on the same page then. I, I did not say my opinion uh, on this. Oh. Um, thinking, <laughs> well, hormones obviously do play a, a major role in what we do, in what how we think and what we do. But I find it a bit too much of a reductionist approach to simply put our existence, our whole being into the effect of hormones. Mm-hmm. I think there is still some element. In a way, that is the, the, the mind versus the brain debate. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, where I think that the, the OK, we have this organ called the brain, but then the mind is something that goes beyond the brain. And, and that's where our thoughts, that's where our free will and really? all those so, thoughts. So the mind isn't part of the brain. You're, you're saying that's something else. It is part of it, but it's 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 broad. It's broader than that. It is not just an organ that that 
determines all that mm-hmm. we do. The, the, the mind is where, where things change constantly, where it is not so totally dependent on the hormones, where one thought leads to another, that kind of thing. And that, I believe, is something um, not just down to hormones. Okay. I mean, the way I understand it is that the brain is the actual physical organ, the thing where if you just open up the skull, you'll find. But the mind is the, the metaphysics, the metaphysical brain in this case. Um, the spiritual mm. as the well, spiritual, I would, if you'd like. I, would, uh-huh. I, yeah. I, I guess uh, the biologist in me is is skeptical, but let's let's leave it there. Um, <laughs> final points? Uh, yeah, why don't we just wrap up with one final question because we're living in very tough times and your book has come at a, at a, at a really important time to remind us to what mental health is about and how to take care of ourselves. So can you maybe tell us a little bit about the support mechanisms that are available here in Malta for people that are struggling? Yes, um, uh, there is there is the helpline uh, that is on offer by Richmond Foundation. Um, the number is one seven seven one. We'll have a link to oh, it I, in the I, description. Uh-huh. Um, uh, then there are all the other sources. So if 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 you feel that you have a problem. Please go to your doctor, first of all, or else go to to other sources such as psychologists and such as psychiatric nurses. The important thing is do something about it, even if it is just talking to to a friend, to someone who cares. That's the very beginning of it all. Um, Then if need be, seek professional help, as as we said, but definitely do something about it because mental health issues, especially during this time where where things are are still quite um, difficult, things can only get worse. So I would say start from the very beginning. If you think you are having problems, do not just believe that they will get better, but try to get all the help that you can. And then there is self-help as well. Like, for instance, the coping things that that are mentioned in the book and that can be found all over the internet as well. So self-help is is a good thing as well. There are several things that can be done to help yourself before seeking and even after seeking professional help if need be. And they give you a sense of purpose. They give you ownership over your recovery, over uh, over getting better. Obviously, you need to be careful which sources you look at. You you, you look at not all self-help mechanisms can can help. Um, But usually if it's a medical site, for instance, um, or a health related site, then it's it's quite safe. Your book dealing with coronas uh, can be found in all major book outlets, correct? Yes. And the proceeds go to charity, if I'm not mistaken? Yes, yes, the proceeds go to Richmond Foundation. Um, It can be bought from from the major outlets as well as from Kite Publishers. Um, And people can also contact me if, if they don't manage to get a copy. Excellent. On polandgrek at gmail.com. Excellent. Um, thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Paul and Greg. Uh, it was fascinating and wonderful to have you. Thanks so much. I really love the conversation. <laughs> thank you.